0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وصيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد Today then the new chapter begins Bab Khawillahita ala Innal Insana Hulikahua Iva Masahu Sharu jazua Wa eva Masahul Khairumanua Haloa Yani Vajura The Ayat wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that verily man was created very impatient, irritable, discontented when evil touches him, and niggardly when good touches him. So here Shaykh al-Athamini mentions, قوله تعالى, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ خُلِقَ هَلُوْعًا that indeed mankind has been created impatient. Al-insan in this ayah, it means all of mankind. Inna al-insana khuliqaha halu'a that indeed mankind has been created impatient, irritable, إِلَّا الْمُصَلِّينَ It goes on to mention except those who are devoted to prayer. Except those who are devoted to prayer. So خُلِقَ اَيْ خَلَقَهُ Mankind was created مَبْنِي لِلْمَجْهُولَ a verb that does not mention who carried out that verb but of course in the Arabic language sometimes you can leave out the fa'il if it is known and it is obvious and it is clear so in this case it is of course known and obvious and clear when we say mankind was created then of course we mean by that Allah created mankind there is no one else who created mankind so in the ayah it doesn't mention Allah created mankind it just says indeed mankind was created but in the Arabic language it is understood and known that the meaning is indeed Allah created mankind. And they were created in a state صبر, that they were created in a manner of being impatient. Mankind created in a manner of being impatient. بَلْهُوَ ضَجُّرْ يَتَضَجْرْ Rather, mankind, they have the trait of being irritable. They are easily agitated, irritable, not patient. And then it mentions, إِذَا مَسَّهُ الشَّرُّ that when evil touches him, some harm, some bad, then he becomes irritable, meaning discontented. manu'a, And when good touches him, then he is manu'a, meaning that one word that could be used is along the lines of miserly, not open to that and fulfilling of that. إِذَا So when some evil touches mankind, humans, it is in their character that they become irritable and discontented. وَمِنَ shar and from the types of evil, when evil touches mankind, they become irritable, discontented. One of the types of that broad and generic evil is poverty. A uh, Sheikh al gives that example specifically here, that when poverty touches a person, poverty overcomes a person, and that person finds himself struggling in life, finds himself struggling to feed himself, his family, finds himself in poverty, then that generically is one of the types of evil a person may perceive upon himself. And so when that occurs, it mentions here how mankind, on the whole, often Becomes irritated by that, agitated by that. Cannot remain patient upon that. And then the opposite, when goodness comes upon a person, when goodness comes upon a person, And an example of that is riches. You become rich, you have wealth. So that is perceived as a goodness upon a person. Then the individual becomes manu'a. Then he becomes miserly with that. He becomes not open with that, concealed with that, restricted with that, not open with that goodness. min wa la min وَإِذَا مَسَّهُ الْخَيْرِ كَانَ مَنُوعًا إِلَّا الْمُصَلِّينَ أَلَّذِينَ هُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ دَائِمُونَ Those characteristics are mentioned generally of mankind. How mankind becomes irritable, becomes agitated, becomes upset very easily, cannot remain patient on things. And the opposite, when goodness comes to him, then he becomes somewhat miserly with it and doesn't show his appreciation of it. Those are general characteristics found in mankind. But then it says, (laughs) إِلَّا الْمُصَلِّينَ Except for those who establish their prayers, (laughs) الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ دَائِمُونَ Those who are persistent upon their prayers, constant upon their prayers, establishing those prayers five times a day, the obligatory as a minimum obligation, and then on top of that the Nawafil, the Sunan, and the other prayers. The question that arises here now, as Sheikh says, what is the purpose of this chapter here? What is the intent behind that chapter and title, quoting those ayat about mankind and their character? He says, qala ibn Hajar, rahimahullah. Ibn Hajar famous scholar from the scholars of the past and from the most famous books that he wrote this scholar called Ibn Hajar was which book? Fathul Bari a book by the name of Fathul Bari and there are possibly hundreds of books by the name of Fathul Bari so this one is in particular the Fathul Bari in relation to the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari. He wrote an explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, al hafiz ibn Hajar, and he mentioned that he read Sahih al-Bukhari, I think 13 times, that he read through Sahih al-Bukhari and wrote an explanation. Then he went back to the beginning of Al Bukhari and read through it the second time and added on extra points of explanation that he picked out. Then he went back and read it for a third time and new points of explanation that came to him, he wrote it out. A fourth time, the new points that came to him, he wrote it out. Fifth time, sixth time, seventh time, every time he picks out new points up until the thirteenth time. He read it, and still he found new points of benefit. And then he says on the 14th time, he couldn't find anything else. And so that was the explanation that he wrote of Sahih al-Bukhari, the most famous recognized explanation of it, al Hafid ibn Hajar, known for his works in hadith, known for his works around the sciences of hadith and hadith, he said, quoting another scholar, ابن Battal, مراده في هذا الباب إثبات خلق الله تعالى للإنسان بأخلاقه من الهلع والصب والمنع والإعطاء وقد استثنى الله المصلين الذين هم على صلاتهم دائمون لا يضجرون بتكررها عليهم ولا يمنعون حق الله في أموالهم لأنهم يحتسبون بها الثواب ويكسبون بها التجارة الرابحة في الآخرة وهذا يفهم منه أن من ادعى لنفسه قدرة وحولا bilimsaki والشح والضجر من الفقر وقلة الصبر لقدر الله تعالى ليس بعالم ولا عابد لان من ادعى ان له قدرة على نفع نفسه او دفع الضر عنها فقد افترا انتهى ملخصا uh, What Allah has created for us, our actions and what we do, we began right at the early stages talking about when you recite the Quran that your vocal cords and your mouth and your movements and your sound, they are created but the actual Quran that you recite the words are not created this whole section has been ongoing on this aspect of the creation of mankind and what Allah has created for us from our actions. Here he says the same the point of this chapter is to highlight that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created mankind with these various traits Allah has created mankind with these various characteristics of having a lack of patience, becoming irritable, discontent, uh, preventing the giving and becoming restricted with what you have, not wanting to give it out and share it, all of the various types of characteristics mankind is naturally created upon that Allah has created mankind and created those characteristics in mankind and then an exception is made the exception from those characteristics broadly are those who are upright upon their prayers (inaudible) those who establish their prayer always and remember, there is a difference between establishing the prayer and just praying. It's one thing to say that somebody just prays. It's another thing to say establishing the prayer. Salat or yuqimūna Salat, as it mentions in ayat of the Quran. And what is the difference between just praying? and then establishing the prayer establishing the prayer is the one who prays properly and accurately in accordance to the Quran and the Sunnah, in accordance to the conditions of the prayer the timings of the prayer the fulfillment of all the pillars and the obligations and the Sunnah that person performing the prayer in that accurate way with all of the conditions and times etc is establishing the prayer as opposed to somebody who just comes late perhaps their prayer delayed and delayed and perhaps when they pray they are not fulfilling all of the aspects of the prayer properly even falling short in their actual performance of the prayer they are not establishing the prayer as it should be they are praying they've prayed but a difference between somebody who just comes and flicks up and down they've prayed compared to somebody who comes and prays with that khushua carefully and focused in that prayer so here it mentions except those who establish the prayer establish the prayer not just come quickly finish go get it out of the way like a routine but rather the ones who are focused and attached to their worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ones focused on their prayer establishing their prayer then they are the ones who will be finding themselves exempt from these types of characteristics broadly, Now, they are not from those who become easily irritable, they are not from those who become easily discontent, they are not from those who easily lose their patience. Certainly there are huge benefits behind the prayer. And we did it. A while back, a few years ago, when we studied al sheik al-Faymeen's book on the Prophet's prayer described, there was a section in there that spoke about praying with khushu'ah and the difference between somebody who prays with khushu'ah properly compared to somebody who briefly here and there just prays and goes, hasn't really got the real focus, the real concentration in that prayer big difference between the two people and that is known in the sunnah itself because in the sunnah itself it tells us perhaps a person prays, prays, does it, but he only comes out of that prayer with a proportion of the reward, how much? Half and maybe when you get to the bottom only a tenth of the reward he's prayed he's done it all but he's come out with only a tenth of the reward as opposed to the complete reward because he hasn't prayed with focus hasn't prayed with submission with khushu even the way that you stand in the prayer as a sheik al i in he mentioned in even the method, the form of you standing with your head slightly lowered, your eyesight down, hands upon your chest, this is a posture indicating submission. The very posture that you stand in with your head lowered, eyesight down, hands upon your chest, that is the way that you stand in humbleness before your Lord, humbleness, modesty, submission before your Lord, in the very manner that you stand. But a person who doesn't focus on those things, has no understanding and concept of what he's doing, just going through the motions, then you will not come out of the prayer benefiting like the one who focuses and understands what he's doing. Worse than that, as sheik al hath also mentioned, so many people their prayers may well may well be considered invalid because so many people they miss out pillars of the prayer missing out pillars of the (coughs) pillars of the prayer such that their prayer may be considered invalid or Carrying out acts within the prayer that are warned against Severely in the Sunnah for example from the common acts of the people to be looking around Everywhere as they are praying Their eyesight looking to the left looking to the right looking up looking around everywhere as they pray looking up as it's mentioned in the narrations that perhaps your eyesight will be pinched away from you, your eyesight taken away from you, the ones who are looking around and up in their prayer instead of focused and down. Or, the only exception mentioned by the scholars, the one time when you don't have to be looking down to the ground at the place of your prostration in prayer is War, okay, fair enough. That is one example. The, the, the Not the war, but the fear prayer. Salatul Khawf has its own rulings. How the fear prayer is prayed is different completely to the normal prayers. The method of doing it, the method of the jama'ah, the half and half, half the jama'ah comes, they go, the other half of the jama'ah comes in turns with the one imam, with the change. There's a lot of things in the fear prayer. But there's another thing for all of us, Traveling? When you're traveling, you can look where you want. You need to keep an eye on the departures board? <laughs> or oh, on the on the riding animal? That's for the nawafil. What about the obligatory prayers? So some of the scholars they say, if you are praying in the Haram, in Mecca, right before the Kaaba, then your sight should be on the Kaaba as you pray. Some of the scholars, they do mention that. Some of the scholars, they mention you put your eyesight onto the Kaaba as you pray, if you are right there at the Kaaba. But nevertheless, the point here being the ones who establish their prayers, they are the ones whom Allah mentions as exempt from those characteristics. And it's a really important thing to ponder over. Those characteristics are the widespread characteristics amongst mankind. The lack of patience at things, the irritability at things, discontentment at things. Those are the characteristics that bring all the grief to a person. They are the characteristics that bring all of that discomfort in your heart, inability to be patient at something, being agitated very quickly. So what is the cure? What is the cure? Here is one of the simplest available to you. On a daily basis, you pray your five prayers. Pray them properly with focus, with khushua. And you will see the difference that does to a person, the difference it makes to a person. The one obeying and worshipping, wanting and desiring to worship and obey. There's a difference between a person who prays because it's time and you've got to do it and get it out of the way and a person who can't wait for the time of the next prayer to come, so that he can go and pray. Big difference between the two mindsets, the one who is just praying to get it done with, and the other one who can't wait for the prayer time to come. The Prophet wasallam used to say to Bilal, used to say to him, Arihna salah, bring comfort to us with the prayer. Meaning do the adhan, do the iqama, so we can pray and be in that act of worship to bring us comfort. Comfort in this act of worship of prayer where it's described as a conversation between yourself and your Lord. So this is the prayer and this is what is mentioned. The point here is in the topic and the theme of our discussions is regarding these actions of ours that are created, these characteristics of ours that are created, these uh, descriptions that Allah has given us. Shaykh, uh, Shaykh al-Athaymin rahimallah ta'ala says, Sifat." التي في الإنسان من جملة الصفات التي خلق عليها that these characteristics are just a sample from the multiple different characteristics that mankind is created upon obviously there are many more different emotions and traits and characteristics but these are just a sample of them mentioned in this ayah final point to mention on this before moving to the next hadith the sheikh says there are people we've basically gone over it now anyway but There are people who pray, but still are overcome to a great degree by those very same characteristics. So then how do we understand these ayat? Where there are people who pray, they do it, yet they are still heavily overcome by those characteristics, irritable and lack of patience, etc. So how do we explain that? like we've just been saying, it doesn't mean anyone who prays. The ayah doesn't just mean anyone who prays, then they'll be free of these characteristics and they'll have comfort in their hearts. Rather, it means, as we said, those who establish their prayer, as opposed to those who just come and pray and go. Those who establish their prayer, then, that is the, the meaning that they will have ease and comfort in their hearts. And a lack of this discontentment and irritability and agitation. Then after that, <clears throat> the ayah that you mentioned also, وَأَقِيمِ inna إِنَّ anil عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ establish the prayer. Indeed, the prayer prohibits you from the lewd and evil acts. وَمَا أَكْثَرَ الْمُصَلِّينَ أَلَّذِينَ يُصَلُّونَ وَلَا تَنْهَاهُمْ صَلَاتُ عن الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ The ayah says that if you pray, then it prohibits you and stops you from evil and lewd acts. However, the shaykh says, so many people pray who still engage in those evil acts. So what does it mean here? هَلْ هَذَا لِخَلَلٍ is that because the act of worship of the prayer has some issue in it, or because of the way that the person praying is praying? No doubt because of the way the person praying is praying. His deficiency in his prayer, therefore leads to the deficiency of this issue not occurring for him, that he continues upon evil, even though he's praying, because he's not praying in the proper manner, establishing the prayer. Then after that, Qala a Abu Numan, call a head Jarir Ibn Hazim, and in Hassan, call a head Ibn Tughlib, call at a Nabiya, so the law, I lay he was a lama Malun for a Rahu. انهم عتبوا فقال اني اعطي الرجل وادع الرجل والذي ادع احب الي من الذي اعطي اعطي اقواما لما في قلوبهم من الجزع والهلع واكلوا أكلوا اقواما الى ما جعل الله في قلوبهم من الغنى والخير منهم عمر بن تغلب فقال عمر ما احب ان لي بكلمه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم النعم. in this narration it mentions that the prophet received some money some wealth was given to the Prophet ﷺ he received some wealth and so he distributed that wealth and he gave some people some of that wealth and he didn't give some other people any of that wealth gave it to some didn't give it to others and so then it reached him that there was some um, some discussion or talk or some speech about this affair, some discomfort or uh, that they were not perhaps understanding of this affair or pleased with the affair, not recognizing why some had been given it and some had not been given it. So then the Prophet wasallam said, Indeed, I give to a man and I leave another man meaning I give to some and I don't give to some, the ones who I leave, I don't give them anything, are more beloved to me than the ones who I actually give. I give some people, the ones that I give it to, I give it to them because of what is in their hearts from that, irritability and lack of patience and those characteristics we spoke of. So I give them some of the wealth to those with those characteristics in them. Perhaps that this will then bring them some comfort. And as for the others, then I leave them in the trust of Allah, for what Allah has placed in their hearts from contentment and from goodness. They've already got the contentment and goodness and satisfaction in their hearts. They are not from the ones who have those characteristics we were speaking about. And so I leave them to that which Allah has given them already from contentment in their hearts. And from them is Amr ibn Taglib. So Amr said, Amr ibn Taglib. He's now been given this recommendation and this praise from the Prophet ﷺ that he is from those whom Allah has given him that contentment. He's not upon those characteristics. So Amr said, <laughs> That I would not love that for this word of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi I should have in place of it the red camels the red camels is often an example given in narrations because at that time during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi the most valuable thing a person could have from the most valuable possessions was red camels to have red camels was at the highest of the most valuable possessions in those days so he gives the example here of the red camels that this word, this uh, testimony of the Prophet ﷺ to him is worth more than red camels in another narration it mentions the red camels يَهْدِيَ اللَّهُ بِكَ رَجُلًا وَاحِدًا لَكَ مِنْ حمر النعم, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides via you a single person then that is better for you than the red camels and there are other narrations that talk about the camels too narrations about the quran and you memorize it etc that was the valuable thing in those days so examples are given upon that valuable item to show the worth of something so in this narration كَمَالْحِكْمَةِ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم فِي مُعَامَلَةِ الْخَلْقِ Shows the perfection of the wisdom of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in dealing with different people, interacting with different people. وَأَنَّهُ قَدْ يُعْطِي أَقْوَامًا ويدع آخَرِينَ And that he may sometimes give, distribute to some people and not to others. وَهَذَا مَوْجُودٌ الْآنِ حَتَّى فِي عُرْفِ النَّاسِ تَجِدُهُ يُعْطِي أحدا وَلَا يُعْطِي الْآخَرِينَ And this is, the Shaykh says, present to this day, that you may see this, a person gives to some and he doesn't give to others, knowing that these others are from those who have that contentment in their hearts, and he leaves them to that, whereas others knowing of their lack of the contentment and the presence of those other characteristics gives it to them to perhaps give them some ease and some comfort in their hearts that is perhaps perhaps similar to one of the forms of zakat or one of the uh, uh, categories where zakat can be given one of the categories where zakat can be given is to a non-Muslim who is inclined towards Islam, so you give him some of the zakat money and that would perhaps bring him even further to his inclination to Islam and maybe accept. That is a category. However, that category isn't defined as a non-Muslim who's inclined to Islam. What is that category actually defined as? Huh. so those who have newly embraced islam brand new so they still have a lot of the previous ideas and what they were upon with them yet just embraced islam so they are the ones you're saying this category is about you give it to them not to the non Muslim who's inclined to Islam? Yes? So you're saying a non-Muslim? But a person who's a non-Muslim and is inclined to Islam, are they a category where you can give zakat to? Okay? It is your answer and your answer together. The answer is for that category, those who are inclined to Islam, full stop. It's not about Muslim or non-Muslim. Within that, you have the non-Muslims who are inclined to Islam, and so you can give them some of the zakat to incline them even further, that they may accept Islam. And within that category, you have the new Muslims who are now Muslim, but they're brand new. So you give them some from the zakat to further now, strengthen them in their iman and in their uh, progression in Islam. So they are Muslims inclined. And they are non-Muslims inclined. And both of them are in the category of giving the money to the ones inclined to Islam. For the newly accepted, the new Muslims to incline them further to increase their iman. For the non-Muslims, for, the, for them to actually come on Islam. So perhaps this is a similar type of thing where those people were given in order to bring them some comfort in their hearts and to perhaps increase them and help them in their iman. That's why when you give money or distribute or charity that you give that money in that wisdom, you know that a person, if you don't give it to him, that may have a bad impact upon his religion as a whole. Says, he didn't give me anything, he left me out, and he goes, disappears because of that. So you have to have wisdom in who you give and who you don't give. And if you give it to those types of people, فَإِنَّهُ يُعْطِيَّهُ لِيَكُونَ هَذَا مِنْ بَابِ التَّأْلِيفُ عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ ابْتِدَاءً أَوْ مِمَّا يَجُوزُ دَفْعُ فَكَيْفَ بِصَدَقَاتُ وَالتَّبَرُّعُ So maybe those inclined ones, you give them that zakat to incline them to Islam initially, or if they have become Muslim, you can still give them some in order to increase them in their iman. So that distribution, there has to be wisdom in that distribution, and whom the people are and their characters and what they are upon, their personalities, their iman, their level of contentment people are different, some people will not be able to take it or accept it if they are left out and it affects them in a negative way and others you know, they can understand that they have that contentment in their hearts so if we distribute now some of the brothers here are not gonna get anything But they have to be content after this now and nobody can say anything or complain so that is the narration there regarding that the next section has five hadith or seven hadith together two five five six six hadith together we'll begin those next time any questions or anything else up to there then related or unrelated would you just just Allah alam, the details of that we'll have to look into what the scholars say in the books of fiqh and how they define it like, Allah, Allah, Allah alam, if you give them that detail or not I don't know mm. so, do, you know, that to, do you know, what's the category called of those people who, what are they named? <laughs> those whose hearts are inclined or you wish to try and incline that's that category and then it's a subcategory within it eight categories of zakat eight categories where zakat can be given and it cannot be given outside of those eight categories but some of those eight categories have sub classifications in them so that is the category of those whose hearts are inclined Within that, there are 2 subcategories: One for the non-Muslims who are inclined. One for Muslims who are already Muslims, but they're brand new. So you want to increase them in their iman. It's not really about inclining them to Islam. They are Muslims now. It's not about that anymore. Now it's about inclining them further into progressing and increasing their iman. And just like that, some of the other categories have sub-sections within them of what types in that category can be given the zakat. There are categories where rich people can be given the zakat. You can give zakat to rich people. Rich people, can they be given zakat? You have some of the mashaykh, mashallah, you know, driving mashallah cars. So can we give them zakat or not? They're the ones who? Like give out the zakat? collect Collect, so Ah. So in the olden days you know, well not the olden days even now it's just in the UK we don't have this kind of thing but in other countries now zakat isn't just money how we think of it 2.5% from your cash zakat is in animals, it's in other things it's in uh, your crops and all types of things so to collect zakat when it comes to sheep and camels and cows you're going to be herding animals picking up a cow and a sheep and all these things So they had to send people to go do that job to collect all of that zakat. It wasn't just a bag collecting money, collecting all these other things. So you have to have people who go out and do that job and collect. Those people are a category of zakat distribution afterwards. They are allowed to, from that overall zakat which has been collected, they are allowed a share for their efforts of going and collecting it all in the first place. Regardless of whether they are poor or not. And how do you define poor and not poor? Because it's difficult to say poor and rich. Rich when we say rich, what does rich mean? Someone with loads of money. But that's not what rich means in the books of fiqh when they talk about zakat money. They say somebody's rich or how we say rich. The meaning of rich in those definitions is somebody who's basically not poor what is poor for, for you to know what rich is then you have to know what poor is because rich is somebody who's not poor so who's poor poor there are two categories as well and that is faqir and miskin Fakir is the one has have enough to take care of it's possible both of them can have something Faqir may be the one who has nothing or very little of his needs. Miskeen is the one who has maybe half or maybe even more of his needs, but not still enough to fulfill his needs. They are both below the red line, below the line of fulfilling their needs. They are fuqara. A person who has enough to fulfill his needs is considered, inverted commas, rich, considered as the one who has wealth. The one who is above the line of being able to fulfill his needs, his family's needs, the needs of those who are dependent upon him, he can fulfill them. Throughout the year, he can fulfill them. So that person is no longer faqir, even though he may still be, as we talk about it in the language, relatively poor. He may still be relatively poor, may still be driving a very old car, makes noises when you go on the road may have a house that is broken and window smashed. But overall, he has enough to take care of his needs, his family, the food on the table, everything, he can do it. So he isn't classed as a faqir. He's classed as somebody with wealth. But even if he was with loads of money, as you described, if he went out and collected the zakat and did that job, he would be eligible to be given some zakat money. Speed that your uh, the time for the prayer is, is going out and you haven't prayed yet, um, and then you, you establish them when well, you pray just before that time. Do you need to <coughs> uh, do you have to rush your prayer so it finishes before the time goes? So, if for some reason you've been delayed and the time for the prayer is about to go out, so th- when you start praying then, you're asking should you rush through your prayer to make sure you finish it all before the time actually goes out. Anybody? Fatwas? Fatwa coming over here. <laughs> <laughs> so your answer is you don't have to rush. As long as you catch one raka'ah in the time, the three other raka'at could be outside of the time of that prayer and your prayer is good yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? support, support has come for you anything else? istidrak <laughs> as well, go on you, can just to you don't have to do a surah after the Fatiha possibly, so yes you don't have to rush, in fact you don't rush, no you don't have to you don't, you don't rush the prayer the narration we mentioned that أَدْرَكَ رَكَعَةً مِنَ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الصلاة. قال, Whomsoever catches one raka'a at least, you catch one raka'a in the time of the prayer, then you've caught that prayer. So even if you're really late for some legitimate reason, and you catch one raka'a in the time of the prayer, and by the time you get up for the second raka'a, that time of that prayer has now just exited. Your other three, for example, dhuhr if it is, your other three are in the time of Asr. But your first Raka'ah was in Dhuhr, so your prayer is legitimate like that. You don't have to rush to finish it all in Dhuhr. do you to do that first Raka'ah? No, it's still not a rush. You, I mean, you're gonna, you have to fulfill the Arkan of the prayer. There's only a certain speed you can pray with to fulfill all the Arkan and the Wajibat. If it's got to that level, then you're at fault. And if it's got to the level where you were legitimately late, for some legitimate shari'i reason, then it's not upon you. You're going to have to fulfill the arkan of that Raqqa. It's not like you can miss the arkan of the Raqqa. And this is what Shaykh al talks about. Some people, they come out of the ruku'ah. When you're in the ruku'ah, they come out to about 45 degrees, not the 90 degrees, 45 degrees up, and then straight down into their sujood. That type of prayer, as Shaykh al says, is invalid. Invalid. Because you've missed that pillar of coming and standing up straight before going down. Hmm. You know the traits mentioned in the verse, and furthermore, today, would you say those traits are uh, disliked to the point where disliked by Allah to the point where you may even be punished for having those traits? Those traits are obviously not praiseworthy traits. Having a lack of patience being uh, uh, inc- uh, discontent with things, being irritable. These aren't the characteristics of the Prophet wasallam. These aren't praiseworthy characteristics. And yes, they can get to the level, a person could get to the level in those characteristics where they are blameworthy and sinners because of it. It can be a person loses patience. For example, obvious example, at the time of death, at the time of death, An-Niyaha is from the major sins. When a person loses their patience at the time of the death of somebody from their relatives, so they scream and they shout, <coughs> scream and shout and say things from the words of Jahiliyyah. In the hadith it mentions, <coughs> not from amongst us is the one who strikes himself and tears his clothes and shouts and screams with the words of Jahiliyyah at the time of death for one of their relatives when somebody's died so that is a lack of patience getting to the level where it becomes a major sin for you that you don't demonstrate your patience and the same kind of thing with uh, irritability discontentment if you're not content upon the decree of Allah it could get you to the level with your emotion, your understanding, your uh, thoughts about things that you get into evil thoughts or bad thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those characteristics can get to a level where you may be sinful upon them for doing your actions that you do because of them. Last question. Um, person to to him or her. I mean, a person who is uh, transgender or has had a sex change, in terms of the fiqh rulings, they are considered upon their origin. In terms of the Islamic ruling, fiqh ruling. A man becomes a woman, does all the operations, everything, becomes a woman. That person, the rulings of Islam apply to that now woman as the rulings, all the rulings of a man still. And the other way around too. So Islamically as a fiqh ruling, the rulings apply upon their origin. So imagine now, for example, somebody becomes Muslim and they are transgender. They've had the change done to them and they are, you you look at this person and the person looks man. You would never know this person was a female. Or the other way, that the sisters look at a, a, a person and she looks a woman. You would never have known this was a man. Done all of the hormones and medicines and what they do. But that person now, for example, a man who's changed to a woman. Done everything, you would never be able to tell this person was ever a man. That person would not be allowed to go and pray in the women's area. If that person became Muslim, hypothetical situation. I'm not hypothetically, it occurs. It occurs. So that person would not be allowed to go and pray in the women's area because that person islamically, fiqhi, in the rulings is a man despite having done what they've done to make themselves look like a woman. So that person would need help and, uh, what do you call it, um, therapy or whatever in order to rectify the situation, but in terms of the rulings of Islam, they are not considered upon the new gender the pronouns and everything and what you call people you have to take into consideration the legalities of the country if in this country and i'm not sure of all the exact legalities is it a criminal offense or is it a discriminatory offense legally by law for you to not offer that person their preferred pronoun or their new pronoun upon what they are on. If that's the case, then it's, what can you do? You have to fulfill the legalities and so you stick to the legalities. If that isn't the case, then the asal in Islam is that they are upon their asal. That is Islamically. But like I said, you have to look into these things and it's a big discussion in society So the legalities of pronouns and discrimination and all these things. There was that case in Ireland, Ireland, where uh, uh, a homosexual couple wanted, I think it was uh, a wedding cake, wedding cake. They wanted a wedding cake for their homosexual wedding and the couple who ran that shop, they were strict Christian and they refused refused to make a, a, a basically a gay wedding cake for this homosexual wedding. So then the homosexual couple sued them, took them to court, it's discrimination. How can they refuse to serve us and not make the cake? Long story short, I think in the end the Christian couple won. They were first, the, other, the others won for discrimination, but then the appeals and every, in the end the Christian couple won on that case. But the point being, for something as simple as that, you can start court cases and start suing people and go with legal and lawyers and everything and over not making a cake for a customer. So you have to be aware of what the legalities of the country are and what's going on, and you have to abide by whatever that is there. But besides that, Islamically the ruling is that stays upon the asal. We're gonna have to stop there, inshaAllah will carry on next week, then after Isha.